Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm here now talking with Bill Richter. And uh, we're going to have some fun talking about his experience in life in the business world and making special things happen. And so, hello, Bill. Hey, Larry. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to have some fun today. And I'm going to learn a lot of stuff because I don't know about, uh, you know, we're not going to, it's not going to be a tech discussion, but it's interesting to get insight into this world and because uh, you are the president, CEO of Cumulo, and Cumulo is an American data storage company and offering products and services, help companies manage and keep up with their data. And it's a data world, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, oh, it is. And when you, uh, the people can help you keep up with that, those, that's a priceless necessary service. And uh you know, to start this thing, it looks like you, you had, let's just go off from there. You had to raise $125 million in funding because you can't go down and buy, buy a computer at the store and say, okay, I'm going to have a, I run a data storage company. So you got to have farms and, and, and piles of this stuff, right? It's just like, you're, you know, so, uh, it's, it's a big hardware investment to kick it off. So talk about, uh, let's just dive into it like that. Uh, how do you go about raising $125 million? Uh, very carefully. Um, look, the, uh, uh, the capital that we've raised, um, and, and incidentally, $125 million was just the last round of capital since our inception. Oh. We've raised over $300 million. Um, but the formula is quite simple. The investor community... Um, invest according to what they consider opportunity. And when they look at the market um, that we operate in and really just at the simplest level, the problem that we solve for customers, that becomes an easy investment decision for those, for those folks because they just see so much opportunity. And when we engage with them and we tell our story and we show the um, actual progress milestones that we've made, um, they get excited. And then what we try to do is, uh, is use that capital very carefully. And just as a, a little um, tuning there, you know, most of that capital goes to um, talent. We, it, this is a war of talent. We're a software company and building the best software in the world is, requires hiring great people and great people cost money. And that's, that's where most of the, the, the capital that we raise actually goes. And uh, so talk about just talk about that a little bit 300 where do you go you know you get an idea and we'll talk about how you got the idea and the experience on that but you get to the point where you got to get some money where do you go well we're fortunate that i mean you know one of the greatest things about um being an entrepreneur in america right now is this is one of the most risk tolerant um capital markets in the entire world and it's no surprise that if you look at the technology companies, the global technology brands, whether it's Google or Facebook or Amazon or Apple, and the list goes on and on, Cumulo, I'll put in that list, um, they're all American based. 
And um, that's not just because we have smart people here, it's because there's a confluence of smart folks, um, aggressive entrepreneurs and, and capital that understands how to invest in these sectors. Um, and so we, our early stage investors were um, really great venture capital firms like Kleiner Perkins in Silicon Valley and Madrona Ventures up here in the Northwest and Highland Capital in Boston. Um, and as the years pass, those folks have continued to invest, but more recently, um, some of the much larger investors like BlackRock, which has something like $8 trillion under management, uh, has invested in Cumula. Good um, Lord, you got BlackRock invested in Cumula. We do. Wow. You've got to have, uh, you've got to have your act together to walk into that room, I bet. I bet. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Talk about talent. I bet, I bet they've got some pretty serious financial talent on board. Uh, pretty skeptical. I'm Because sure, like all successful companies, I know they've been burned a million times themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, they all do. They, they really put us through our paces. They do a ton of diligence. And interestingly, they have a lot of financial folks, but they have a lot of technologists in those firms now. Um, and, and that's wise of them, because if you really don't get some of the, the deep technology and, and the real problems that companies are trying to solve, um, you could uh, definitely put your money in, in bad spots. And so, uh, but you're right, Larry. I mean, getting through um, into those folks and figuring out how to partner with them and raise a lot of capital is, is the hard work of any entrepreneur, especially a tech entrepreneur. Yeah, I guess we've gotten past the era where uh, I remember the early 90s. Uh, the, uh, I don't talk about it on this podcast, but my cousin actually was H. Edward Roberts, who invented the personal mm. computer, and uh, out of uh, Albuquerque, and it's where Microsoft uh -huh. came from. You know, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, yeah. 20, 20 years old, went from Boston down to work for him. And uh, anyway, so I've been forced to be uh, just by you know my older cousin uh, aware of what's going on in the industry all along, but. You would, and as a result, you know, you'd go in and I spent a lot of time on the getting my, our own websites up and information to the field force and financial services spread out. And uh, uh, so as a result, I got more education in that than I uh, really needed. But I go in and it's raw, really funny to go in to hear CEOs. It, you know, be in a board meeting somewhere and the CEO comes in with great assurance and starts pontificating on here's how the industry is going and this works this and the other and for someone who knew anything about technology realize this is somebody with kindergarten grit you know level knowledge spouting like they're albert einstein you know and uh you know blowhards basically and none of the stuff they were saying was right but they did it with such authority, they could get away with it. And that's the way it was pretty much during the 90s. But now uh, you got smart people around you and you can't be a CEO and be that stupid, you know, about technology. Because you know, how long, it wasn't that long ago before Oprah didn't even know about email. You know, they had a show where, you know, okay, we're going to get Oprah on email. So this stuff has kind of flooded in pretty fast, hasn't it? Well, when I started in business 25 years ago, I remember the senior leaders would uh, dictate um, emails and have their secretaries type them up for them. And that sort of defeated the whole purpose of, of email. So yeah, we, we have definitely come a long way. <laughs> 
we had our president and founder, Art Williams, and uh, he had retired about in the early 90s. But it came up about five, six years ago. There was like, he was looking for something to do. And I said, you got to find a way to reach people, whatever. So he had an iPad. You know, he's one who's didn't even have, he'd use his wife's cell phone. You know, when he needed a cell phone, he'd have the wife hand him the cell phone and she'd dial the number and he would talk. And then, but it came time and literally, this is a guy worth billions, billions. We'd sit and I said, okay, Art, he wanted to learn how to use iPad and send emails. I said, well, I learned long ago that whoever holds the pen, whoever is doing the input is the one who learns, you know? So <laughs> I said, so I wouldn't touch it. I made him do it. And I said, take your finger and push that. <laughs> and then go over here and push that. This is a billionaire. But the thing about the billionaires, those suckers learn fast. <laughs> Pretty soon he had mastered it and he was firing out emails all over the place and still is. And so uh, just because they're dumb on it doesn't mean they're going to stay dumb because you can get, if you have the right people explaining this stuff to you, you can get proficient. And once people who have experience leveraging themselves uh, and they get, they see how this works, it's like, uh, uh, okay, the, you know, the, the gears click in their heads about how they can use it to get the things done they want to do. It's really amazing uh, to see that transformation. But in the era we are now, uh, that just creates the thing for more need for to be able to keep up with all this stuff. And that's where you come in, I guess. Yeah, look, you know, one, um, just listening to you reflect on that. I mean, I think one thing that I always find makes a great entrepreneur is just the, the sense of curiosity. Uh, old, you know, has, has, hasn't done anything you know, like your, to your point, Larry, never used an iPad, but if they're curious, if you're a curious person, you can learn just about anything. And uh, in a world that's constantly changing, if you're not curious every single day, um, then uh, you're probably going to miss out on something. Uh, but well, I find that with a lot of my CEO peers, they're all very curious. They ask a lot of questions. They ask themselves questions. They ask everyone around them questions. There you go. There you go. Um, I go to the dentist and I start asking the dental hygienist, well, what kind of equipment are you running? Is it old or new? Is this the best brand? You know, what's changed? And like, you know, you just end up learning a lot of stuff in life doing that. Yeah. And the thing is that it has to do with people who like to do stuff. You know, they like to learn about it. Like they want to get involved themselves, you know? And uh, once you learn about things, you're immediately saying, how can I use this? And uh, uh you just see it time and time again. And now technology is, it's, it's a necessity. I mean, I've, I've gone through uh, decades really where I said, I don't want to learn anything else. I just want to use. And that usually I'll do that for, I don't want to learn anything new. And that'll usually last for like 30 minutes that, <laughs> that pledge because it's just impossible if you're going to stay current in the world that you're going to be saying, I've never heard that term before. I've never, I, what's that? What was that word you used? And uh, uh, there's just a whole lot out there that's interesting, exciting, and it's evolving. And you keep up with it on the cloud storage. I do photography and art in, in addition to other, you know, on our business, I'll tell you this. I've been into the, I had my own SQL server uh, back uh -huh. in, in 90 in 90. 
and uh, not 1990s, but in 90s. Yeah, 1990. Yeah, no, I tell you what it was. 1999. 1999. And uh, ran it out of my garage, had $200,000 a year uh, tech guys in there running. I had my own email and this and the other. And the company gave me a download of 165,000 fields. I mean, 165 fields on 24,000 people every day. And wow. they gave me, it was like two of us, so they gave that direct downloads off of the computer, I mean, the mainframe, because we harassed them so much for, how about this report? We like this report, this report. They said, okay, we give up. We're just going to give you a death download every day and you hire your people you get your equipment and you do rewards and i you know i did that for about 10 years but uh that you know that's a lot of data and that's back and you know why you know the the 2000s and uh and now the same thing i got lots of photography you know portfolio and painting images but you there's so much to keep up with and if you can't get your finger on it uh, it, you, you don't have it. And so with cloud storage, there's no question there's a demand for this. And that's why you see things like Amazon, uh, companies like Amazon moving into it. I've got a, uh, I don't know what is uh, one of my younger cousins, husbands who worked in Amazon. I got to get into this family of yours, Larry. It sounds like yeah. an interesting group. There's <laughs> an interesting group. But he worked for Amazon for years, and I did not know it. But he said they only make 1% off their, their uh, goods, you know, their retail goods. You know, they're shipping this stuff all over. You know, a, a grocery store makes like 3% net, but they're like 1%. And that's why they, he said, that's why they're going into cloud storage and all these other computer services. That Amazon's ready to make some money. And uh, uh it's a, I said that to say you're in a competitive field. That's the bit, all the big people are, you know, that's, you know, they're forced to, and uh, they, they can come up with their own funding, you know, Amazon Bezos, you know, he doesn't have to go out and raise funding. So you, uh, you know, props to you for going out and getting this thing going. And so uh, uh, talk about, uh, why this is the most exciting thing you could be doing in your life right now. Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Yeah, happy to. And I'll just um, I'll just riff on what you just said about, you know, Amazon. And um, yeah. by the way, I worked at Amazon. Uh, I remember I, I'm a longtime Seattle Lights. So I remember when it was founded here and, and I worked at Amazon for a few years and um, it's a great company. But you have to remember, um, you know, when they were getting started off, everyone looked at them and said, well, gosh, Walmart and Barnes and Noble. And, you, you know, you'll have no chance. They can they can obviously outdo you here. 
And uh, especially in the world of entrepreneurship and, and tech entrepreneurship, fortune favors the brave. And, and um, you know, guys like me live for that. Um, why is this most exciting? Well, that, was a, that's, um, that's, that is a great, great point. And especially if you know how basic it was when Bezos started, it was him and one or two other guys shipping stuff out of his garage. And he was one of the one packing. And he tells a story about himself uh, where he said he had a super inspiration. He said, because they were, you know, that break his back, uh, folding packages on the floor, concrete floor in the garage. And he said he had this brainstorm, you know, like eureka moment. And he told his second in command, he said, I got it. He said, why don't we buy knee pads, you know? And that way when we're on the floor, we won't kill our knees. And the guy said, he said, why don't we just buy a table? <laughs> so the guys who start this thing don't necessarily start off as geniuses in every aspect of the business, but they, you know, and they start basically, that's where Bezos started, you know, cause he told the story on himself. And so, but you have to have, uh, you have to have monster courage to be able to go in, in a drive and uh, to get yourself to launch out like that. And to, to realize, you know, it starts with the first step, you know, yeah, that's right. You know, um, I'll tell you one thing about being an entrepreneur is that, you know, and, and I've, look, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've been a tech executive for almost 15. Um, I've been a venture capitalist, invested in a lot of companies. So I've met a lot of entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, one thing I like to say is um, any entrepreneur, whatever their idea is, is almost always a dumb idea in the sense that, you know, somebody comes along and says, well, I'm going to make an electric car. And you go, well, that's dumb. If, if people wanted electric cars, Ford would make them or Toyota, you couldn't possibly build one of those things and be successful or back to Amazon. You know, the world has a bookstore, has a lot of great bookstores. Why would it need another one? Um, and an entrepreneur looks at that and says, look, you're missing something. I see something you don't see. And then you have to take that kind of I guess arrogance, right? Because you have to have right. a lot of conviction around your idea. Not in the negative sense of that word, but more like the, the conviction sense. And then you have to have, be risk tolerant um, because you know there's always a sort of a safer job that um, is probably gonna pay a little bit better and be more stable. And so it's kind of a unique crowd of people that wants to do this. But one, Larry, once it gets in your blood and that's, then that becomes the only way you can live. And um, that's what happened to me at some point in my career. And I just, I wouldn't have it other, any other way. It, what's exciting about Cumulo right now is we are at the, like a, another dawn of, of what data is gonna do for the world. Um, and I'll just share with you, just, I, I know, you know, a lot of the, your listeners aren't necessarily technical. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain this in, in more lay terms, but you know, if you went back Several decades ago, you know, data was mostly just what a few corporations had, uh, you know, the phone company and your company's payroll records and things like that. And, you know, you went to an ATM and you interacted with data systems, but, but not often. Maybe you did at the office. And then a little bit later, you know, transactional data, data that fits in rows and columns, kind of like your SQL server had, started to be part of everybody's lives. Um, and um, transactional data, we call it structured data, um, became prolific in the world. It automated everything. It made things go faster for us. 
Um, and that was great. And then there's this new dawn of data, what we call unstructured data. That's images or videos or genetic sequences. It's real bulky. It doesn't fit in rows and columns. And it literally impacts every person's life from the day they wake, the moment they wake up to the time they go to sleep. You know, you, you get up in the morning and you look at your device and you're consuming images or videos or whatever. That's all unstructured data. Um, Larry, you live by the ski mountain. Well, the first thing you probably do is is check the videos on the mountain right. and see what the snow looks like, right? That's a video right. feed that's all digital and is hosted by a website and broadcast to thousands or ten thousands or tens of thousands of users. The smarter companies now um, are taking satellite images of the parking lots and traffic situations right. so that right. they can start to plan their day. You go to the doctor, hopefully just for a checkup, and they take a bunch of radiological images and create patient records, and those are stored and managed and analyzed by the healthcare organization. Um, the, the vaccine fighters at the front end of like the pandemic are using massive amounts of unstructured data to go figure out the, the, the next new vaccine to roll out. So every element of our life is now sort of dominated by this influx of unstructured data. And where we come in is the management of that data, not just storing it, but managing it and getting use out of it, value and making it accessible to people was an unsolved problem. And we built software just to do that one specific thing better than everybody else in the world. And it turns out that that really mattered. And um, well, that's the exciting that? thing about Cumulo right now. So what do you mean by that? Well, um, I, I think it makes sense to everyone that a lot of this data through some of those examples I gave exists, and there's about a thousand more examples. Um, but boy, oh boy, does it pile up. And if it, if, it, if it piles up too much and you can't get your hands around it, it either overflows or the systems break or they slow down, um, it really floods the organization. And so if you can create a very simple solution uh, through software to be able to allow organizations to manage that data at any scale and then reason over it really quickly, their lives change like from night to day. Um, and that's what we do here at Cumulo. Give me, some, and, give, um, give me an example of that, that uh, with one of your clients or customers, you know, without. Well, sure. I'll give you a few examples. Let's say you're a hospital. I mean, that's really relevant right now. We read in the papers about how they're, you know, they're, the rooms are surging. They don't have enough yeah. capacity. Well, the first thing that a hospital owner thinks about is, is patient care. Okay. We have to, we have to help patients get better. And then the very next thing they think about are doctors and nurses, because it's doctors and nurses that make the patients better. Uh, behind the scenes at a hospital, their IT department might be saying, look, our systems are breaking because there's too many radiological images coming in and we're either going to slow down the process for the, for the radiologist, we're going to turn away patients, or we're not going to be able to analyze these records and give accurate responses. And so data management can actually get in the way of something as simple as patient care. And so we come in and we say, hey, here's a software solution that's designed to instantaneously solve this problem. It goes from being incredibly complex to super easy. And so for the, the IT departments of those hospitals, um, they love to adopt our products. Not only does it make their lives better, it saves them a ton of money. And then, you know, in a really real sense, if you're a patient at a hospital, you never want to go and say, well, how's your data management here? You want to say, how's the patient care? Well, patient care gets better if they're able to deploy those resources to frontline workers, not legacy, antiquated, 
systems from the 90s that a lot of the the big legacy vendors are, are selling customers and that's that's a big deal for us it's kind of geeky and it's in the world of of it infrastructure but when you stop and think about it it's really important the same exact thing could be said for example for like a k through 12 uh school district or a university or an oil and gas company um every one of these folks are like drowning in data and if you can give them a, a powerful way of of harnessing it and and flowing it to the right people and protecting it um, and making it reliable, it's a it's a big difference. It, maybe a good analogy we, we like to say around Cumulo is like data is the new electricity, and um, electricity is great when you plug in your lamp. It's not good uh, when it's a lightning bolt and it hits you while you're walking through the park. So a good thing could have either wonderful outcomes for humanity or very bad ones. And uh, that, that is very much how data behaves today. Fantastic insights. And we, I'm going to wrap this up by just, you know, the points. We, we've made a bunch of points, but the points are we'd like to get people's attention that if you're going to be successful, you're going to create clients, data, inventory, stuff. And you're going to have a data problem like everybody else. And so at least be thinking about that along the way because and we'll get into this in the next episode once you reach the point that you can't keep up with it that's when things start falling through the crack and those are the those cracks are where uh your growth stops because you start losing more than you're gaining and then you become like you're on a treadmill just to stay even and so it, it seems like a boring subject, but it's it's uh, it's life or death. And the way I'd look at it, and I wrap it up like this, is like I would say, Bill, it's like for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs have to look at the books, but entrepreneurs are people, persons, they're idea people, they're content creators, they're and visionaries, and they don't like looking at books. But the thing is, and I've always told uh, people going into business for themselves, look. You're either going to look at the books or you're going to work work for someone who will work look at the books. You know, somebody's got to look at the books and know where you are. And so it doesn't matter if you like it. You come up with a simple system. You can come up with people to help you. But end of the day, you're going to be looking at the books if you're going to be staying in business and growing. Thanks so much, Bill. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.